Um, oh, so the, the, the real question that I want to ask as we're getting into this, would you say that Zizek or Peterson is the Chomsky of our age? <laughs> Dolly Parton. The best part about this question is that Chomsky's still alive. It's like... So let's let's continue with our with us uh, railing on Chomsky because um, he likes to have his dick flattened. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> he does look like the man from the dick flattening <laughs> meme. Look at the the Bojack. <laughs> what is what is up with the dick saying... flattening meme? Anyways, <laughs> I don't like. No. What is that, dude? I don't even know. Um, but no. So uh, last time we had discussed um, the introduction for. What is now Manufacturing Consent, we are working off the 20-year-old book that was written in 1988. Our edition is 2008, and he basically updates a lot of his things. Basically goes through what all these updates. Um, a lot of this, we kind of went over what Manufacturing Consent means, and what it means to be a, an appendage of the state without being an actual public appendage. And today, we actually have a guest. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Babalu. <laughs> Great. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's, that's all you need to say. Yeah, you're only like the second guest we've had on it, unless you count Khan's friend who got drunk on the pod. Hey, 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 but... Nick, Nick, Nick is actually, I actually asked him to come on because he knows a lot about Russia, so if we start ever talking about Russia and manufacturing consent, I asked him to maybe come on so we could talk about that. Because he knows Which a actually, lot. Side note, and one thing that I, I I can't remember if it was mentioned in uh, manufacturing consent or not, but Putin was actually instilled by the U.S., but now yes. we're like against him. So like, what the fuck? Well, this is the same thing he this talks about. Too this sexy. He, he talks about this in manufacturing consent with a thing with he makes the um, he doesn't say Putin in, in that example, but he uses Pol Pot as something where the media's reaction to someone changes over time based on how the u.s functions as a state and their goals and, and that actually goes into the chapter one theme which is the difference between um the the victims the types of victims that the u.s propaganda machine uh utilizes the worthy victims and the unworthy victims I also wanted to say um, a good example of this in the 2020 election, speaking of with sort of the aftermath of the Bernie campaign, um, right. with the New York Times article that they actually they actually ended up editing it. I, I had to find this from another website where they were talking about how um, with uh, Tara Reid's accusation of uh, Biden raping her, 
uh, they said, and I quote, the New York Times originally wrote, we found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond hugs, kisses, and touching women that were previously said to make them uncomfortable. Hmm. That's so, exactly what we're talking about. Look, we didn't know, we couldn't have known. We couldn't have known that he was uh, a sexual predator because the signs weren't there. We couldn't have known he was a serial killer be- even though he murdered puppies. It's a, we, did, we couldn't have known. It's like, of course you couldn't have known. He's not trying to get found out. I mean, like, you could have known because you can see him like every time he's in front of people and like touching girls and women. Yeah. So oh, this is like that whole the, thing. The You're signs like, are totally there. I mean, it's the same even thing. Even when where they're it's, not, it's like, you know, people cover shit up when they don't want them found. So, you know, it's like, oh, we didn't see the signs? Like, yeah, that's for a reason. See, I, I, have this theory, I have this theory that hierarchy in general and, like, the state and capitalism in particular function as sociopath distilleries. Yes. yes. Where uh, it's like a distillation column where, like, you ascend to the level of sociopathy, you're able to backstab your way up the hierarchy until your sociopathy becomes so evident that you can no longer hide it and you get found out, and then you're back down to the bottom of the hierarchy. Um, well, I mean, so capitalism is got some really good alliances. Well, the, so the entire ideology of capitalism, the whole point is that it's the idea that we're all in competition, especially under like, like neoliberalism and the idea of atomization, is we're all in competition, we're all individuals competing against each other, and it turns out the people who are you know sociopaths who can backstab the most get the most power in a system that is one that's explicitly all about competition. Yeah, capitalism is free for all, two for it, and everybody's spies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I hate Is that why we keep trying to sell each other hats that mean absolutely nothing? I, yes. God. I like I, that, I, especially <laughs> if you count a hat as, like, a social role, because that's one of the ways that we use the term hat. Oh my like, god. Like, multiple hats. You, that just makes it so much better. Have you guys oh. ever seen the tragedy of the TF2 economy? Like, Have you like, ever it, heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Yeah. <laughs> it's not something the Jedis will tell you. But, but like, the TF2 economy is such Turn an interesting... Turn himself into a pickle. Fucking shit I've ever seen. <laughs> but, like, the TF2 economy is, like, the, like, quintessential, like, uh, in video gaming... Like, it's, like, such a microcosm of just, like, capitalism in general, because what ended up happening was you had, uh, basically a currency, which was keys, which was backed with, you know, actual U.S. dollars. And then you had another currency, which was refined, which was, uh, not backed by anything. You could just kind of get it. So there was hyperinflation, because what ended up happening was people would be making more and more refined. And then suddenly what ended up happening was you had a huge crash where... A lot of luxury items, it turns out, um, no longer held their value, and then the market readjusted there from a huge bubble, and it just crashed the entire economy, and it's never recovered. <laughs> so I, I get from this that you're talking about Bitcoin, right? Oh, uh, well, yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> funny because like in-game video currencies have more solid and valid backing, even though it's in like money, than Bitcoin. Here, let me get some of that. Warframe well, Platinum. Well, I will, I will say like, the, 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 hype, the whole thing behind Bitcoin where its power really comes from is you're basically taking energy used to solve an equation or whatnot 
by your computer, and you're basically taking that and putting it into a coin. So, like, what Bitcoin is backed by is not, like, gold or anything like that. It's by electricity. If you ever got oh, computing go power... Out. Computing power... It's computing power, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. That's probably a more accurate way of putting it. Well, that's, but, it's but, like but, the, that's the, 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 the finite resource. Yes. It generally seems like, if that's the case, then Bitcoin is actually destined to devalue itself as computers get more and more powerful yes well that's the argument that's the argument for bitcoin actually because a lot of these people are like well as as computers become more and more capable of computing this or as people become less and less interested in it it becomes more and more accessible and as it becomes more and more yes no no no. so fucking the, the way the algorithm works is it becomes harder the more people are working on it so as less people are working on it the algorithm becomes easier to compute right so as as less people become interested in bitcoin it becomes more prevalent so if it becomes more prevalent, it becomes cheaper. If it becomes cheaper, then it becomes more usable. Yeah, no, Bitcoin's value is going to just be a fucking sine wave. Yeah, no, because... And, and the wonderful thing about it is, especially because it's not really... The only material thing it's backed in is computing power. And the rest of it is just how much people want to pay for it. Like, there is a bottom to Bitcoin. Like, there's a bottom to how much people are willing to sell a Bitcoin for. But there's no top. There is no top at all. Like you could sell Bitcoin for twenty thousand dollars, like you like we did it what five years, four years ago, three years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was twenty eighteen. Oh, yeah, yeah. twenty eighteen. But the bottom, the, the bull market. But the bottom is going to be as as much pe- as people are willing to spend on the computers to compute the Bitcoin algorithm. That's going to be the bottom, and that's that's the biggest yeah. argument for Bitcoin is that it's the bottom is always going to be there. So no matter how much you invest in it, as long as you never invest, as long as you don't invest more than the bottom, you're you're going to make money. It's going to be funny because I see Bitcoin as being the shortest lived currency in the fucking world. Like oh, honestly, there's, the there's bottom can genuinely Dogecoin. Yeah, I got Dogecoins. Anybody wants yeah, Dogecoin is still around. You can still buy Dogecoin. Thing is, yeah, like, putting that well or that you know bucket down the well, that bottom is gonna fall out. That is a stupid fucking currency. Well, the same thing okay. is, is like a lot of the currency that we have nowadays is like not like the for instance, the U.S. dollar is basically backed by promise. It's not actually backed by like it used to be backed by gold and whatnot. And now we're getting well, but, into the libertarian part of the podcast, but, uh, but, but you, it, it, it's backed by the fact that you can use it to pay taxes, and if you don't pay taxes, you go to jail. Yeah, pretty actually, much. That's it, pretty much what it is. But that oh, also brings by... us ba- that that also loops us back around to the propaganda model because a lot of the propaganda model is actually dependent on what the value of what would help value the currency. Because if you need if you need a resource that will help keep the currency valued, because people are going to be buying into the currency because the 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 state that puts out the currency is utilizing that is utilizing that resource then the the value of the currency is going to keep going up but as soon as you start losing control over the re, over the the resources the value of the currency will plummet well that's sort of the... i'm skeptical i'm very skeptical of that. i'm just trying to move it back to the book okay i mean fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Let's, get, let's get a little bit back on topic i think one of the things that he says sort of early on in this chapter that i really kind of agree with is this idea that the only really thing driving the propaganda model and he says it specifically it's not some kind of conspiracy theory so this isn't like the idea that like jews are running the world or whatnot the whole thing is that it's market forces that are driving this it's simple you know economics that is really what is the driving force behind he's talking about um how a lot of the propaganda model is actually existing 
as a arm of the state because the majority of the information that the news that the media gets their gets their information from is uh, the state. These quote unquote anonymous anonymous sources within the state. And if you out any of these anonymous sources, you lose those sources. If you go against the the narrative of the state, you lose the ability to get information from the state. Well, it's not anonymous sources either. A lot of it is like the very conspicuous and really easy to find sources, which make themselves available to the news media, uh, like specifically to meet their needs. Like one of the things that resonated, like I kind of light bulb went on when I read it. Um, he said that in order to serve the news bureaucracy, you need an- another bureaucracy, which is like the state and the propaganda machine in the state, in order to properly serve it. And they, the news media loves it because it exists to serve them on their schedule. So they will, they just eat that up and they spread it far and wide because it's a reliable source of news. Yeah, it, yeah, kind of like basically the cheese in a mousetrap. I mean. If we're real honest, the new the new media is about as fucked as the rest of us. Well, yeah, because well, you also got to realize one of the the most one of the biggest sources of information that the news media utilizes is the 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 reports that the police put out, right? Mm-hmm. And you you actually see a lot of them uh, blatantly reprint what the the cops put out. Yeah, instead um, of providing an actual unbiased. Uh, this is, I really mean, this makes is where jury selection involved bitch. shooting comes in, where it's very obvious that they can't just say there was a black man that was killed by a police officer. It's an officer involved shooting. It's they're taking the they're basically putting it in they're, a passive voice rather than an active voice. Well, and that's, and that's implying lost... no responsibility on any part. Yes, yes. It was. It's very Chomsky in to do to point that out. Is that a vape? <laughs> it's ex- what? What's that? Is that a vape or a joint? Uh, both. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we it's got legal in state, so... That, you know? Yeah, well, it is the whole month of 420. Yeah, but tomorrow's the whole day of 420. Ah, oh, shit, tomorrow's Oh, shit, it is? Oh, yeah. my God, stop. Yeah, it's 419 right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Oh, my God. Half. So, um, so the, the, wait, the, the biggest wait, thing that we, we were talking about, so this actually leads us into one part of the propaganda model, which is what we were talking about earlier, the worthy versus the unworthy victims. Oh. Uh, the unworthy victim would be the the black male shot by the police officer because if you ever notice, whenever a whenever somebody is shot by a police officer, they always dig up the worst of that person. Oh it's yeah, always, well, every time they had they had a history of violence or they had a history of interaction. Or they, they, they or even they, when they're not shot by a police officer. I mean, you remember what happened to Trayvon Martin? Oh my God, yeah, where they basically brought up the fact that he smoked weed once in school. I'm like. And that was the fact where it's like, therefore, he's a bad person. And that's this is what I'm... they always talk about with even like in, in more of a, a macro scale going like for foreign governments. It's always these people are bad people. Therefore, whatever we do against them is justified rather than the actions that we take have a certain consequences. Yeah, consequences, but also that there is a certain no matter what the other person is doing, the actions that we take also have moral consequences that we don't really like to talk about. Like, if we Excuse me, Khan, but I'm a moral relativist, so morals don't exist. Thank you very much. Uh, wait, so yeah. you talk- <laughs> wait, hold up. If you're a moral relativist, then all you really need for morality is to go really, really fast. Right about C. No, no, no. That's moral relativity, not moral relativism. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, moral Albert relativism. Einstein's theory Special of moral, moral relativity. <laughs> there we Ethical go. relativity. But, but we're actually see where you see the worthy victims is where um, if you ever see somebody um, being killed by someone they deem as against the state or being not a state appendage, they will they will play it up as like a huge travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think it's really important to point out that um, that the media, that the context of this of this entire project of manufacturing consent is like a historical narrative in which the media represents what they call the for the state. Yeah. Which, and it's supposed to act um, in the interest of the of the citizens and not those in power, right? It's supposed to act in, in, in a way to keep those in power in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, just as a contextualization of this idea of the worthy and the unworthy, that's like the, he or they, I guess, are bringing out like the unworthy victims are deemed unworthy in virtue of um, in virtue of like the proximity to our United States's uh, like policy goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? I th- I think it's kind of interesting to note that the changing role of the media because if they they even talk about you know when this model was kind of starting to really happen was like what the eighteen nineties we have yellow journalism and back then people did not consider the media to be like the fourth estate it wasn't they were they were just a racket like media was considered a racket and uh, they were just trying to sell newspapers and whatnot it was all gonzo journalism yeah it's really especially after watergate and things like that where the media takes on this whole new idea in the american zeitgeist of a of again the fourth estate where they're trying they have to hold those in power accountable Mm-hmm. And that's really where it kind of has gone downhill, and we kind of see it's starting to backfire now because trust in media has gone completely off the rails, and like people, politicians like Trump have really used that to their advantage to build a base and kind of um, just say whatever they want because of the fact that people are starting to realize that the media has a certain bias. And even though they might say that the bias, they might recognize that they're, the media is not telling them the whole story, but then they'll gravitate towards people that pe- they think are telling them the whole story that, that feels right rather than um, any sort of searching for any sort of actual uh, empirical truth, if there is such a thing. Yeah. And that's also one of the biggest arguments for privatize- privatization of the news media, because people assume that if it's a private entity, they are they're not going to be given these propaganda points by the state um to to speak oh that is a good point to bring yeah Yeah, because you can lean on people financially and the state is very fucking good at doing that and suddenly private industry isn't so private anymore (gasps) but let's let's look at it let's look at it this way like one of the biggest one of the biggest uh news places that people tend to look against tend to be against is uh russia russia times which is a state apparatus it's owned by the state Mm-hmm. Right, and Russia Today, yeah, Russia Today. Sorry, yeah. okay, yeah, RT. I wasn't sure if it was the same RT. one. Yeah. yeah, I just never really knew what the what it stood for. I just assumed, <laughs> <laughs> and, and but then you then on the other end of the spectrum, you also have the BBC, which is literally owned by the state, but people yep. look to it as a unbiased um, news ma- news narrative. And even and Al Jazeera is another example of like yeah owned by the state, but actually almost entirely independent. Well, the mm-hmm. thing the thing about Al Jazeera that's interesting so like is I actually yeah well it, funded by the state fun, basically it's funded oh, by Qatar, but um, 
Al Jazeera is a very interesting point to bring up because the international branch of Al Jazeera is far different than the sort of, you know, Qatari state media. I think I saw a meme the other day that was talking about uh, Al Jazeera, where it's like Al Jazeera International, where it's saying, oh, they're, they have uh, slave markets in Libya. And then like Al Jazeera, Qatar, where it's like selling slaves in the classifieds or whatnot. So Wait, it's. What? It's it's more or less a joke where they're basically saying that the the closer you get to like Qatar, the uh, Qatari government doesn't really care too too much about the international aspect of it in like their foreign language departments. They have a lot more journalistic, uh, not integrity. Yeah, journalistic integrity, but also journalistic sort of freedom. Freedom. Where they yeah. yeah, where they're allowed to do other things, but the closer you get to more of the stuff where it's like the state where like the people of you know qatar actually get actually read the um paper or listen to what it or whatever they're more or less going to be parroting what the, the state says so there's no, a difference there's a... between international and sort of local that is the fair point i think the more freer press might personalize well but what do you what do you mean by free though that's the biggest that's the biggest oh. question that always tries to pop up is when people try to discuss about freedoms what do you mean freedom to what Freedom um, of what kind of journalism? Like, are we accurate. are we going to be are we going to be a Washington Post where they parrot <laughs> the talking points of fucking Jeff Bezos all the goddamn time? But oh well, they they got freedom of journalism. Well, well, or, no, democracy dies in darkness. The, How dare you? Difference between <laughs> a uh, private and um, personal uh, in terms. Of, I mean, I'm going by the whole Kropotkin um, property thing. You know, personal property well, versus private property and. Well, well, I don't think I saw him make that distinction, but no, it was in book. the Communist Manifesto. Yep. Well, he didn't write that. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write that. <laughs> okay, it must have been a different. Wait, what? Yeah, no. Marx wrote Kapaka. Marx wrote Kapaka. No, no. Marx wrote the. Marx wrote. Marx was ghost wrote Kapaka. Wow. Yeah. Way to bury the lead. <laughs> oh, I'm. Did I say Kropotkin? Let's yeah. Let's yeah. just say yeah, let's you just, did. we've been saying Kropotkin a lot in this podcast. Okay, let's just say on. hypothetically that Marx at one point wrote down the name Kropotkin somewhere. Probably. <laughs> well, that's that's well, that's also you. You also got to realize that Engels is Sterner. So just saying. Uh, I ship it still. Uh, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dying. <laughs> so do you, don't you? Anyways. So when we're when we're looking at the propaganda model, like the the biggest thing is that I kind of always have the question is what does it mean to be to have freedom as a journalist? Like if you're if you're able to post whatever you want and that's what freedom means, then you're just an opinion you're just an opinion piece, and they already fucking do that. But if you mean freedom to specifically pursue the truth and only post about the truth, that's never going to happen because we will always see a narrative in any kind of media. And not only, I, they, I, I, I don't think being narrative free is the same thing as not being free. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything does technically need a narrative in order to actually be told or conveyed. Well, I mean, as, as, uh, so, as someone who's, who's studying to be a historian, your, your whole thing wait, is. Wait, Khan, Khan, hold on, hold on. Khan, are you studying to be a historian? Yes. Cool. That's what? pretty dope. Yeah. Dude, it's pretty dope. It's almost yeah. like you're Chomsky. Bruh. No. Bruh. Well,. I, I, I will say, like, the whole thing is that when you're writing something for a historical piece, you're, you're supposed to be building a narrative based on the sources and based on what you have because of the fact that, like, while history is a social science, you don't have, you can never have all the information because there's always going to be some sort of hidden information that you can, 
never really get unless you somehow were omnipotent, omnipotent and knew everything that ever was to happen or could happen, and then you could theoretically make it an exact science like chemistry. Yeah, but even chemistry but, but, isn't doesn't know everything that can exactly, happen. Exactly, exactly. And if you're omniscient, then like science in general is just kind of a done deal. You you don't even have to bother anymore. Well, no, what, yeah, what, you don't need news. Yeah, well, what, basically what I'm saying is like oh. with, with history, there's always going to be unknowns that you can never really fully suss out because you can't like either go back in time and, and like change what happened in the past and then see what happens in the future. You can only infer that and that's sort of where the science comes in where you're trying to see what is most likely to happen based on the given evidence and trying to make a link there. And you're going to be wrong sometimes, and that's fine. But it's all about sort of reconsidering what exactly happened and using sort of different sources to... And using things in creative ways to try to figure out... And in creative mode, you know, to see how they work out before you implement them in the world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. That's what on paper is. Oh, but, fuck, that is what on paper Well, that, that also actually brings up an interesting point that um, Chomsky isn't necessarily decrying the narrative of the modern media, the modern state appendage of the media, right? He's just saying, look at what it is. This is what it is. Know that it is propaganda. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that he is not decrying it. No? Why? No. I mean, so he's I, certainly not endorsing it, right? No, he's not. I don't not, think I'm he actually saying... wrote the first chapter. I think that was um, the other guy that wrote the first chapter. Edward S. Yes, I forget his name because I don't hear it uttered as often. Um, but uh, my understanding is that uh, Chomsky only wrote like the last three chapters, and Herman wrote the first four. Okay. The last so, paragraph of the first chapter is some of the most Chomsky writing I've ever read. I'll just say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so so the point that I'm trying to make is not that he's necessarily cro- he's not necessarily saying it is bad to have a narrative in it, but to be aware of what the narrative is, and especially. Herman is trying to point out that in in the U.S., even though we tend to believe because it is a private entity that media is narrative-free, or at least as narrative-free as possible, we also need to realize where their sources are coming from and what how that impacts what they are reporting and how they are reporting it. Well, They're not technically only that, free, but uh, can be uh, manipulated and pressured. Yeah, well, not, not only that, if you look at how like something like the climate quote-unquote debate is going on, there's, with CNN especially, is egregious with this, where you have a sort of both sides, both yes. sides, where it's it's this idea that uh, news is best where you just give both sides and then you have the viewer decide, but like on things like climate change, Ironically there's only enough. really one side that makes sense, the other side is just bullshit, like it's very clear from any sort of scientific perspective that like, there is no truth to um, the side that's anti-climate change. Man-made well, it, hey, we, these people are wrong. We can prove it with math, science, uh, you know. Well, it's science, not only yeah. that, but it also also kind of to to expand this to civil rights. Like, as soon as you argue that the other side has some kind of validity that needs to be argued, you were giving them the win. Like, if you if you oh, put so you're a, telling us that the civil rights side has less validity to argue. Yeah, because it, it, like let's let's take up. Um, the whether or not tra- trans folk are the gender that they claim to be, right? As soon as you have someone say no, they are not, and you and that is an arguable fact, then it becomes a point that well, what about the people who claim to be that but aren't really that? Or this is one of the, oh sorry no go on. Well, I just there are several points in the chat in the in the forward and the 
whatever the first part is, the like where they describe the differences and changes, start. Mm-hmm. and the chapter one. Um, he, they, they, what they bring up a lot is, um, or several times, preface. Is, uh, this, uh, yeah, the preface. Um, it, that there, that there's a, um, that there, that the media pretends to foster some sort of public discourse and debate that that they imply anyway is what uh, it is good for for people to like participate in. Um, and civil I don't know that that's true. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the the idea that civil rights like should should ever come up for debate, especially in a public forum, seems uh, like an obvious uh, issue for that I, that the proposition. Well, and I think that actually that's one of the points that you can notice the the biggest the biggest bias of all is that even though they are trying to create this public discourse, right, they are still by giving the the quote unquote other side validity. They're betraying their own inability to recognize what is and isn't valid or what is and isn't truth or what can and cannot be reported on. Well, they're also incentivized not to. This goes back to the other part of the propaganda model because market forces basically incentivize them not to. If you look at like with things like Trump and stuff like that, having talking heads on there and talking and screaming at each other all the time gets you views. If you just say, yeah, climate change denial is bullshit, end of story, you're not going to get as many views as if you have, well, what if we had Bill Nye on, but then we had, uh, you know, uh, Bill O'Reilly talking, and then they yell at each other, and it's great, and we can put it on YouTube, and have Ben Shapiro talk about it, and whatnot. Can we not have Ben Shapiro talk about stuff? Wait, isn't that one of the, isn't that one of the biggest arguments about why Trump won, and how, why he was able to hijack the, hijack the media to get yes. free publicity? Yes. Because they, he literally was like, I'm going to give you free views, because I am going to say the most controversial shit, and by by having the most controversial shit, shit being said, you're going to post it because people can just hate on it on Twitter and talk about it not 24 hours of the day. Well, I mean, whether the media likes to admit it or not, they love Trump. That makes them money. That's the end of the story. They mm-hmm. don't like like in, in any not they don't love him in any sort of ideological sense. But the fact that well, they, they do, just, but you know, well, they do, yeah. But they can they can easily just he's such an easy person to just put up there and then be like, see, look, Day Trump did something bad. Uh, we can hate on it. So then people go out there and watch, you know, the latest goofs and gaffes by our latest president, and then the they machine. watch the ads that are running in between it. And that's yeah, the whole the hate point. Machine. Yeah, that's the whole point is that it's perpetuating right, the right. system. Not but isn't that a isn't that kind of a counterexample to the entire model proposed? Well, uh, how, how well, so? Sort of. Um, it's generally the part where the news starts actually becoming entertainment, where they want to catch as many views as possible, so they find the stories that are entertaining. And no, right no, no, now no. we have a very entertaining president. I, I yeah, think. I think. That's I, true. I, I think what what Babalu is trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that because he, because they are being hijacked through the the hate machine and presenting a what would be seen as a counter narrative that goes against the propaganda that goes against the propaganda model that Chomsky is pointing out right well the the idea that like that the story coverage uh, is in line with the policy goals of the gov- of a given administration even let's say um, is Definitely, like built into this entire model. I think the big thing. Um, is I, I don't think the... it's dependent so much on whether it's the administration as whether it's the establishment. Yeah, because Trump is definitely not establishment. No, yeah, because they're always all pro establishment. He, but the only 
news sources he's, that are we, anti-Trump are only nominally anti-Trump. Well, I, I would even go rhetorically. So far as he's to definitely say, anti-establishment. Yeah. Well, well I mean, rhetorically, but in, but practically, he is he he perpetuates the very same the very same policies that have been go- continuing for the past three decades, four decades, and we've talked about this before. And that's, are, I, I don't even agree with that, honestly. But uh, well, he he can he he continued the he continued the Obama camps, right? He continued the the anti-immigrant line that's been po- basically policy for the past couple decades. He's mm-hmm. I don't agree. Don't agree at all. Well, how? Don't agree at all. Well, um, very confused. I mean, I'll, there's one country in particular that uh, we cut off immigration from. Uh, that we had immigration uh, under Obama for, uh, that was or not immigration, but like like. Uh, uh, diplomatic ties and like a relationship with well, all of them. and um, but, but, oh, but, about but no Cuba Cuba, Cuba. yeah no oh, but yeah. but Cuba Cuba is entirely uh, against the current establishment right because everybody because it's a socialist country and they're trying to cut off as mi- as much as they, they can by to basically kill what socialism is it okay. it goes against the capitalist realist realism but, model hold on let me let me step back a second and say um I I I think I think that the that I mean, like I definitely re- I haven't read this book since I want to say two thousand. Fair, yeah. Um, until I, I've been rereading it for this, and um, the the first things that come to mind are how this doesn't account for, and possibly alternate alternately possibly does account for a Trumpian uh, news cycle. And um, I I want to say that like the, that there's I think there's an alternate model that's better. I think I, well, I think well, the hear, thing well, is like is this that one. this model is historically contingent. Chomsky yeah. focuses a lot on like seventies and eighties, and with the advent of yeah. the internet and the advent of a lot of different things and sort of the changes in, infer- in entertainment, I think the model. I think you're correct in saying that the model does have some very glaring holes in it. That we should so. not I mean, take it. It's a, not totally wrong because it didn't check literally every box. Then. Well, no, no, it just it just needs to be updated, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's out, it, it's, it's outdated. It's 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 a model that that was historically accurate up to the point where people were able to access information outside of the news media. And where were people in the '60s coming from that that had the news about the the the, the uh, how bad Vietnam actually was? That like wasn't that coming from the vets? Or really, where was it? Where were the, where this had to have been like in media? There, oh, yeah. well, I mean, they discuss this. There, there is a sort of controlled opposition in a lot of uh, the media so the big in thing a certain is, sense, where you're allowed to, where you're allowed to have independent journalists that go into it, and, and, like you know, thing, are allowed to stir things up. You, like you want to know is um, Donald Trump is a very fucking unpopular president, and the news media needs views. They can't get people to sit in front of the TV and watch them. And suck the president's dick at the same time. Wait, hold on. Fox so, was it okay? well, well, I think. I think, Wait, I think hold on. No, I think no, my no, whole, no, no, my no, whole so point was that four. with the Viet- with the Vietnam, there is a, an allowance for like loopholes within. Like a, some journalists have some more journalistic freedoms, and that's how you sort of get to see some of the uh, responses to the the Vietnam War, the vitriol, the really harsh responses to it that ended up happening, but. I think the biggest thing is like with the rise of the internet and the rise of mass media, there's been a sort of shift from simply all the media saying or all the media pointing towards one thing and not 
saying another thing, but there also seems to be a um, a barrage of sources where you have people who have no idea what they're talking about that are just blasting information into the ether to really uh, basically muddy the waters. And I think that's really what's been happening. That's really thrown a wrench in sort of um, in this the theory in the propaganda model in this historical period because i think we're entering a new historical period that the model doesn't necessarily account for well the information well, age has very rapidly evolved under us and yeah once information could, oh sorry couldn't there be an argument that the propaganda model is still accurate but we are just <laughs> limiting the scope on what narratives are being pursued right mm. like because the the current trump model the, under the current trump administration we are seeing what would be seen as anti-propaganda, but we already had anti-propaganda in the in the um, unworthy victims, right? Mm. Where they just didn't talk about it, or when they did talk about it, it was posed as a means of, oh well, this is this is something that is necessary, right? So like, or it's it's unagentic. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah. So and I think that's why a lot of going into why Trump why people were so baffled by Trump at least in at least in the current political climate is that they view Trump as a non-agentic uh entity it does not have any material basis despite it being literally based in the material realm as to why it exists they're just they're just looking away because their narrative does not allow for that um for that information to be accumulated, or that information to, pre- for to, it to be, ex- be meaningful, maybe yes, for it to be meaningful. So, like, if you tell them, "Well, racists always existed," well, but we had a we had a black president. Or if you say, "Well, the Nazis always existed," well, oh well, they were just always so small; they never really had a platform, right? And then we learned. Yeah, they they were always they were always there. Which is, we looked away because it was easier to accept that narrative than it was to actually accept the reality of the situation. Yeah, once we found out how... We got a better idea of how fucked the situation was relatively recently. And Well, it's not so, something you can sweep under the rug anymore. That's the thing. So, it's like it's, it has become impossible to sweep under the rug what they used to. Yeah, and, and so when Trump hijacks the media, he's still adhering to the propaganda model. He's just inverting it. Right. Sort of. I think I think in a way he's capitalizing on like a distinction in the way that the propaganda model might uh, be related to by people of different generations. Mm. Oh, um, just like older people relate to media in a different way than younger people might like, especially and specifically like dealing with like uh, like media that isn't on cable television. Well, yeah, because there, there was a there was a poll that I saw once, and I I have to dig it up, and maybe we'll have it in the show notes, or maybe not, because we're terrible at that kind of shit. Um, but there was a poll that I saw about how, it, when it comes to party lines, the Democrats are like 60% trust the media no matter what they say, whereas Republicans are like 20% trust the media. And when it comes to um, when it comes to generational things, like you're saying, the, the younger generations, so Gen X, Millennials, so on, Gen Z, they all kind of have this inherent distrust in the media mostly because of the their access to information gen x less so than the millennials and the gen zers than and the zoomers yeah like gen xers he, still watch the news and i'm sitting here like how the fuck do you trust those assholes yeah i mean i watch the news i watch the news a lot but 
That's because I'm weird. But, and I'm also a bit of a masochist. <laughs> because <laughs> it enough. tends to be played while I'm waking up. So, But the biggest point to be made is that uh, je- millennials typically and Zoomers typically don't don't absorb the news 24 hours a day, whereas the Gen Xers will, and so do boomers. Mm, I don't know about that. I think I think that there's something, there's a really important distinction to be made at the birth of social media that this model can't ha- handle. I think, I, think, I, I, think I agree it. with that. I think I agree with that. Yeah. No, I don't think any model was prepared for, you know, information actually spreading through social media. Like, well, it's yeah, I think you're right. I think that's absolutely Between right. Between social but media we- and, like, video hosting sites... The gossip machine got more accurate than the news machine, and well, I trust the gossip. Well, more accurate, it got faster. Yeah, it got, it actually, more accurate. It's well, also become a lot cheaper because if one of the things that uh, Herman and Chomsky point out is that and I'm not sure if it was in this book actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, but the to to actually print a newsletter, it cost thousands of dollars back in 1820 money, right? That was part of this. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, uh, yeah Thing. So it was like thirty six thousand pounds to open a newspaper with a twenty thousand subscriber circulation. Also, Whereas I, nowadays, people can literally just write a blog for do- pennies on the dollar, comparatively, and point push out push out any narrative that they want. And I think that's the big thing is we. This is the personal versus private thing, but you do see them without the restrictions of someone who you know. For whom the government has their balls in a vice. And, and that's why you see a lot of more positive news regarding things like Rojava. Yeah. Yeah, so well, again... Well, I, I think I, that we I, can have like almost form like a sort of uh, heterodox view on this theory that probably needs to, you know... We need, it needs to be fleshed out a little bit, and I think we're sort of... Again, we're in uncharted waters. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and so how uh, come... of a lot of things. How come think... Windows forcibly updates itself, but we can't get an update to the fucking propaganda model? Well, I mean, True. we have to we, because because someone writes that code, a worker writes that code for Windows, so the workers must... because it's top down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas the propaganda model. Do you know um, Chomsky famously has a thing called uh, a theory in linguistics called government and binding? Just no. I'll put that out there. I have uh, not heard too too much about that. You want to guess? You want to give us a tale of DR? Uh, it's literally an order, an order of operations like nesting, uh, and like, uh, like, uh, thing. It doesn't, it's literally immaterial, but it's called government binding, and it's literally, and it's about how the, like, how, uh, hierarchical structures, uh, like, work and how operations apply within them. Um, oh. I thought it was uh, going to be it, about it, government officials in bondage. But... Oh, no, 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 but this is in his linguistics work, and he, like, I just, it, it's very interesting to see. There's a lot of parallel between that and this book. That's from what I've heard, the government officials are into some fun shit. Well, why do you think they keep trying to ban it? Because they get, they get, the, they get off on the thrill of being, doing things illegally. Who? The government officials. They keep trying to ban gay sex, and they keep getting caught doing gay sex. I... Oh, I think that's just because they hate themselves. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it has more to do with What are they, themselves. Jewish? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, what? No, this, the, this is some new, that new is... form of anti-Semitism that I haven't even heard of before. Uh, no, that's that's an old, 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 old story. <laughs> but I think I, that uh, was th- a hard ass. Uh, what the fuck? I got whiplash on that dude. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? 
Well, I, I think that like like there is a sort of idea, this idea that rich and famous. Uh, this is where like this is like more of like the Epstein like thing, where it's like the rich and famous have nothing left to do, so might as well do something that's super illegal and super taboo. Wait, you mean I don't necessarily think that the that's Epstein drive. No, the the. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Was that, a, was that a reference to God the damn right. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god. The books. <laughs> the books, fucking, yeah. Fucking yeah. crazed. What I, but what I was saying is, like, I don't think that applies to congressmen having gay sex. I think they just hate themselves. I think that's the much... Using Occam's razor, I think that's the most much more likely option, rather than they want to do something illegal or something. Well, so well, they, they want to outlaw gay sex and then have gay sex. No, they just... They're self-hating. But they, but they hate themselves because they're Jewish, right? <laughs> Why? What? Why? <laughs> Coming up? No, it, Why? I get it. I get it. I don't I get it. I'm... it. It's making fun of people who who say things like that. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, we we understand that. I but, think we're uh... a little bit like what's his name. Well, there are too many we're... levels of irony debate now. I'm Personally, I just think Gecko's just down. a virulent anti-Semite. He's he's Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn. Guy who um, I am a key, I am a Cuban ethno nationalist. So just <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I, I love the idea of Cuba having an ethnicity, <laughs> right? One one ethnicity, I, sure. I just well, according absolutely. to well, according Cuba to people in Miami, like like Cuba consisting is... of one person and it's in their entire population. Well, so yep. so just kind of just it's actually really funny because I went but to no, we uh, are Icarus, I went to Cuba this. I went to Cuba last last summer. And one of the biggest one of the biggest things that you see there is the statue of Jesus in, in downtown in Havana, right? And the no, so the, the the sculptor who sculpted the the Jesus statue specifically meshed all of the different ethnicities in Cuba into the into that statue to be like we are all Cuban, we are all uh, of Christ, we are all sons of we are all sons and daughters of God. There is no such thing as ethnicity when it comes to this, Look, and that's what, that's what? where the, that's where the joke is coming from because there is no ethnicity that is Cuban, despite the Guasano, what the Guasanos are going to say. Well, I think we should have a multi-ethnic ethnos. That's my opinion. So multi-ethnic state. Yes. How about no state? Wait, isn't that just the European Union? Yeah, <laughs> 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 we've gone full the circle. We've just, we have canon. discovered neoliberalism, is what we have discovered. <laughs> no, no, no. The so, EU yeah. doesn't count because it's not canon anymore. Remember Disney bought out Star Oh, Wars. right, right. I forgot, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Brexit, the entire EU is gone. <laughs> Brexit and the Disney together have destroyed every EU. Boris, Boris Johnson just really hated the fact that that R4 droid was actually Force-sensitive. That's why he left the EU. <laughs> Jesus! Oh fuck! Did they oh did God. they really take that out with the um? I I with the well, EU? I, well they did that? because it was dumb, but well, I can, it's it's dumb. Don't 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 tell me otherwise. Come on, yeah, it's well, yeah, it's, well, it's, well, it's, it's almost as dumb. It opens up it opens up the uh, the Star Wars universe to to Blade Runner like stories though, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, but it's done in like the dumbest possible way where it's no, like... No, no. I, I don't disagree done, at all. No, it is not. <laughs> because here's the thing. If you want to see the dumbest possible way to do a Blade Runner thing, watch Star Trek Picard. Oh, also, yeah. my well, advice for watching Star Trek Picard, don't. Well, I don't is, know. I saw the first couple of... I saw like the first two or three episodes. You are so good up I... to episode six and then stop. I really like the first two. That's all I was up to episode six, and then it becomes a really weird pro-racism argument. I swear to God, if you hook up a generator <laughs> to Gene Roddenberry in his grave right now, you could power a starship. 
Can we can we can we just touch touch base back onto the the fact that none of us would actually want the Star Trek universe because it's it's built on genocide and oppression of billions. Yeah, well, Star Trek that, that sounds pretty bad. I don't like. Wait, that. where? Okay, so Wait, basically, do you have you not? So the so, backstory so, of Star Trek is literally Mad Max for about. No, not not only that, but they literally commit genocide multiple Eugenics. times in the show. Wait, who does? Um, so Picard did it once. Uh, what? Where? Yeah. When? There, there was there was the there was the one with the with the silicon life forms. Did he actually kill all of them? Did he kill? I think he I don't killed think them. he killed. No, no, no. The silicon based life forms was actually TOS, and the people at the station were actually trying to wipe them out. And Kirk and Enterprise crew managed to find a way for the people on that station to live symbiotically. With I the swear that was TNG. Life. No, that was TOS. I remember it was one of my favorite. It was one of the best episodes. Okay, and then there was there was the multiple instances on Voyager where Janeway just straight up murders people. Well, that's because well, Janeway. Janeway's writing is shit, <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, Janeway is crazy. <laughs> that, like, that's not, fairness, because, that's not like, because of the Star Trek universe. That's just just Janeway's that's just episode. Janeway. Where... <laughs> <laughs> where it's where it's like there's one episode where she's like we have to we have to not stop the prime directive and the next episode she's like fuck it kill everyone yeah like, no that's, yeah that's, no that's, that's yeah. Most evil people have the devil on speed dial the devil's got Janeway on speed dial yeah. <laughs> and then there's Janeway is oh, she got absolute and and then there's the entire policy in um, DS9 with uh, non-interventionism when it comes to the Cardassians and uh, the planets they invade slash occupy. Okay. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. DS9, that's, though, that's because a... at least, you know, Cisco calls them out on it. Yeah, that's the point of that. I love That's, like, Cisco. the point of that. I actually hate Cisco, but, like, I, DS9 is the best Star Trek. Well, I, kind of no, but, I like but, Cisco but what for saying... what he does, not so much how he does. He's a great dad, though. But the point I'm trying to make and bringing this back to the propaganda model is that just because we have one character, just because we have one character that calls it out, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, uh, it's it's a controlled opposition. It's saying, oh, we're going to point this out to be like, oh, well, it's this is a terrible thing, and then you just kind of brush it under the rug for the rest for the rest of the season, right? And you'd say that, but like, and you think that's Cisco, right? But it's not. It's oddly enough, it's Kira. Kira Nerys is the of opposition. She's an anarchist written by statists, and it shows. Oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, but she becomes she becomes a, a an apparatus of the state later in the show. Yeah, because she's well, an there, anarchist written no by state a statist. At the time. There is no state for her at the time. Yeah, until, no. Until they until she gets that. Position, well, there's a, there's a theocracy. Uh, sort of. It's a religious, but non-political. Not not like it's a, not like the covenant a, or the Jedi. It's it's something. It, it's it's more of an identity like that. You uh, like. Like, take on. I don't. We should stop talking about the Star church. Trek. Isn't about, a yeah, government Patrick on. Uh, Let's wrap <laughs> this up a little bit. But yeah, we should stop talking <laughs> on about Star Trek. I want to. I want to make a suggestion about the manufacturing consent hypothesis because, as laid out in chapter one. Okay. What are the rules um, of acquisition regarding manufacturing consent? Stop. Stop. <laughs> I, oh my god. Anyways, Every time oh we try god. to get it back on course, just. <laughs> um. I. I don't think that the that. The relationship between the state and the and the media as an appendage of the state, as articulated in this book, is actually accurate. And I think that um, I think that uh, it's much. It makes a lot more sense to just simply read it in terms of uh, profitability writ large um, and the 
in like the the uh, what do you want to say? like the impinging of capital upon uh, the like socially responsible task of reporting um, in that and, and that would be applicable far beyond just this media model or just beyond a model that would apply to media you could apply this like very as I was reading this over I was like wow this really applies strongly to academia in mm-hmm. general yeah well I, th- I think that the biggest thing is is that it's not necessarily um, saying, I, I think the, the biggest thing is like, it just so happens that in this model, it can work without like, in a vacuum, like without a state, it can work. But the whole point is that because the state is the most powerful institution that we have at the moment, they're going to have the most leverage within this model. And that's why you see a lot of, you know, well, what's going to end up happening. Because they have I the most capital, think... because they have the most, whatever. And I also they think... don't have the most capital. Well, no, so I, I think that... It... Well, it depends on the I state. Think... I think that Herman and Chomsky are trying are kind of utilizing the state as a metaphor for capital, right? Because the state is the only solid entity that we have to represent what is capital. Because back when Chomsky was writing this, you know, yeah, we had these giant conglomerates of of news media, but it was nowhere as bad as it is today, right? Mm, I don't. No, no, no. I don't think that's true. I don't. I think they specifically are talking about like international corporations which which are like transnational corporations that that are media conglomerates are not bound by the states of that they are ground like founded in right mm-hmm. they're, they're sort of they're supra state um and they don't really uh ground their value as like their whatever i don't know what that value is a reference to but like their value as a corporation in like their relative or respective states dollars units right well the well the point i'm trying to make is that if you substitute like you're saying capital for what they're arguing to be the state it actually does make a lot of sense because the when it come when you're looking at it in terms of a capital focused incentive the it is it is entirely an incentive to utilize the lowest common denominator for information i.e the state it makes the most amount of sense to not go against the state narrative or go against the narrative of your quote-unquote sources because then when you lose them, you have to spend capital or time in trying to either gain more sources or in time in terms of trying to find um, sources that would be reputable enough so that when it, if your source goes against what you're saying, you're not, you're not holding the shit end of the stick. Do you remember where I used to work? Yes. Where did you used to work? There, I used to work at the Pentagon. Ouch. I used I used to work in public affairs at the Pentagon. I specifically worked in. Well, I don't want to get too specific, so I don't specifically work anywhere. I'll say that. I true. honestly would so. love to specifically work in the Pentagon's Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Anyways, so I have a um, suggestion on this. Uh, maybe instead of aligning with uh, whatever state locally it is the transnational corporations are actually uh incentivized to align with the superpowers uh and not necessarily with their individual state because we know that states align into these like their superpowers and the superpowers have uh like uh, what do they call client states mm-hmm. yeah i forget what they're called spheres um, of influence and client yeah. states yeah and uh, they exist in these ecosystems where they serve with that whole client state and uh superpower system instead of serving whatever was just the local power to them 
Um, well, I think I think also like when we're talking about like I think one of the things I might have been misunderstood when I said like you know states just have the most capital. I don't necessarily mean money when I say capital. I mean just like land, control of resources. Yeah, control of resources, which is the so, point I was oh, trying so, to make at the beginning. Yeah, social capital, Author- authority. Well. Yeah, authority. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what I mean is like under this current system, like this system can happen with or without um, the current historical uh, definition of like a state. Like, this system can happen just because of market forces in general in any sort of market economy. But isn't this model predicated specifically on a two-pronged issue of of the state and and the market forces that uh, uh, underpin capitalism? I thought the only two-pronged issue was an echidna penis. Or possum. (laughs) Shark penis? A shark one. Fucking Christ. Can't even get your animal genitals right. What the fuck is this? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I don't spend a lot of time drawing those, and I never will. (laughs) I... That'd be a great animal or animal band name. What? A kidney penis? penis? A kidney uh, penis. No, animal genitals. Animal. I think I see. I see what you're saying now. You're saying that the model is predicated off of the idea of having a state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that like uh, that is. I, I mean, like, I I see what they're saying, but I I mean they they refer to places that I have worked in very like very directly and like i'm they're wrong about what they're implying they're implying that spending a lot of money on something produces a lot of results and that's not true Well, it's the idea that no cheap thing good no good thing cheap but not even that is a rule that has exceptions also the state seems like the context for these stories more than anything else if you really look at it I think also there's but, like a, that's a, there's a simplistic way of w- looking at it from a certain perspective. They're not just saying that um, you hand over the money and then the media just writes things good about you. They're also talking about you know uh, access, where they won't like like you can write bad things about the state. They just won't give you any access to anything. Like the CIA's been doing this in the the movie industry for years. I mean, if if you want to get funding for a lot of your movies, like if you want to do whatever, like there's a famously like this is why Transformers got funded, but uh, Apocalypse Now did not get funded by the CIA. They said, yeah, we'll let you use whatever our military hardware is, so long as you let us look over your script. One of those but movies I, was I, dog shit. <laughs> it was Apocalypse Now, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen it. I heard it's a. It's really good. Stanley it's really Kubrick it's, it's movie. It's hard. It's Heart of Darkness and it's phenomenal. Heart of Darkness is great. I mean, yeah, but yeah. as you can see, like, like doing Heart of Darkness in Vietnam, obviously the Pentagon probably would not look too high, kindly on that. Yeah, but it, at the same time, it's one of the literally most. This is one of this is one of those criticisms I just have of this entire approach of their their approach to this. And I understand. I want to be clear. I understand that Chomsky uses the word model in a very specific way, and I have come up against this from the other side in linguistics a lot. Mm. I'm I'm Chomsky and in my linguistics, uh, like oh. in, within linguistics, so like and, and and he uses this word model to be in a very technical sense. So um, about um, that, what word does yeah. he use in other languages though? Because that can actually sometimes help clarify. You know, I don't know that he does. I don't know how many languages Chomsky speaks. Um, I've never. I'm, I've never doesn't asked. he speak French? I wouldn't be. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We he at least speaks French because we we've seen the the Foucault Chomsky yeah. debate where he responds in English, but but obviously he's he's responding to, to French. Yeah. So so it might be that in another translation of the book they use a different word with a different meaning or with a more 
clear meaning. English well, that's also is kind of a just dog a, shit language. Well, that's just kind of like a translator's issue. I mean, that's with any book. Like, I was reading something about someone like, how do you get poetry to rhyme from Brothers Karmazov uh, to right, English? Right. That's just translation in general. I don't think Chomsky has much, it, like, say yeah. in that. Is, like, that. is that why the Divine Comedy is such a shit poem in uh, English? Um, maybe. I mean, I yes, but sometimes bad, bad books. It, depend, it depends on the, the translation. But I think also just what... The biggest thing is, like, when we're talking about the use of model, it has a very different definition in different parts of academia. Well, it's a, when, when Chomsky says model, he means... Well, sorry, is somebody talking? No, no, no. No, go. Okay. Uh, when, when Chomsky says model, he means, like, I have offered the following, um, uh, like, set of assumptions uh, that I believe explain the data to the best of the, my ability to explain the data, to the best of anybody's ability to explain the data, frankly. Um, and uh, he... Um, it, it, all, all, everything comes out of the the set of assumptions that he lays out first, and that's his model. Wait, so are you saying that Chomsky is trying to do a science? Uh, Chomsky, Chomsky definitely does a science in linguistics. That's for sure. Um, and I think he's trying to bring that to political philosophy. Well, isn't this in also this book, isn't this also a commentary like like we mentioned before in academia, both in terms of the propaganda model and in terms of how technical Chomsky is in his language, that it becomes, like, the axis is what is defining of the ability to understand the narrative. I mean, I don't think that that's going to be different anywhere else, right? Like, you that, literally just don't, if you don't know what something means, you don't, you don't understand it. Well, no, no, I mean, like, so it... it in terms of, you know, cop-involved shooting or police officer-involved shooting, right? Involved shooting, got it. Yeah, the, the 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 or a piss p i s pig and bullshit <laughs> killer pork Zing. but no like Bad so the majority the, the ma- so I- the journalists know what they mean and people who have functioned in journalism or have been on that end of the spectrum understand what that means but anybody who's reading that will not understand it means an officer killed somebody yeah although it's like mm. how many people don't okay. I kind of take for granted that people know the context, and you know what? You should not do that. You really did just get bit in the ass this week for doing so. I think that. Wait, did you just get bit by something? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm know. sorry. I was half thinking and like listening at the same time, and I. Oh no! So, so, the so... assumption that people understand the context is generally a dangerous thing. Basically, it's kind of like in designing computer UIs or anything. Don't assume that your users are stupid, but don't forget they are. Ah. Where was I but, going so what, 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 I'm, what, I'm try, what I'm trying to point out is that the, the narrative merely exists because of a lack of access to the actual information, right? And when it comes to when it comes to academia, that's where these dogmas arise because the information that is being accessible is is one is information that adheres to the narrative of the journals, or that the that the peer reviewers tend to believe is real or can who or can feasibly understand. Yeah, I mean that's certainly true. Like yeah. that, there's no question there. You don't have physics. Uh physics professors reviewing the sociology journals right well yeah, yeah. This, this is the whole the whole thing like even then where you have people sort of in a lot of stem fields who just like try to make fun of uh people in like the you know quote-unquote soft sciences or social science like business 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with uh, that? The uh, God, are you talking called? about like, um, the grievance studies thing? Yeah, I have. I actually, I have. That's a totally different topic. I have literally a multiple hour, multiple part video essay project that I'm working on on that. Oh, I nice. would love to see that, by the way, because I think <laughs> yeah. like, like like that whole thing is a very interesting concept of people who submit things to academic journals who have kind of. From different academic fields that don't necessarily wait. Know is how this to like? Operate. Is this kind of like along the same lines of the new age spiritualists trying to utilize quantum physics as a means to explain their own spirituality? Uh, yeah, but in reverse, in the terms of like um, having any sincerity, right? Well, yeah, because uh, because yeah, but uh, I was just gonna say yeah, because just journals generally when you're. You know, because a lot since a lot of people are trying to get into them, and there's like a whole, you know, this is this pieces of people's livelihoods. Generally, they assume that you're doing something in good faith when even it's been yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In fact, that's actually part of the general like the standard sort of uh, st- uh standard of ethics like across any academic field at all is the assumption of good faith. Mm-hmm. Wait, so are we doing this argument in good faith right now? No, um, I hope I am. I, I I definitely try to bring as the, the most charitable reading that I can to anything that I read. No, I, I just draw men people. That's why I, I was trying to <laughs> today, so I'm actually arguing completely in bad faith for, <laughs> and also ending every sentence with a um, preposition. A of. preposition. Except that one. <laughs> oh, no, because it, it, it is a proposition. I mean, my biggest thing about Chomsky's theory is that does did did the does the model account for him getting old? Mm, therefore, we should throw it out. Does does oh. it actually does it account does it account for him getting his dick flattened at two a.m.? <laughs> does it account for the speed of light? Oh, that's for uh, you know. Does the model get stretched out? Because it, it you know so what massive, you know what. It? You know what? Here's here's my official take. Here's the official take of the Furries Get Bread Pilled podcast. Einstein was wrong because he didn't have a unified theory. <laughs> Bang. Oh, Done. okay, so we needed some guts then. No, no, even bigger <laughs> galaxy brain take. I, Einstein was wrong because he liked socialism. Oh, yeah, that actually... <laughs> Universe that has brain. Some legs. That has some legs. Here, multiverse brain here. Einstein is wrong because his hair was bad. Where's... Oh, that's another... Where's my Coke... That's actually... Where's my Coke Brothers bucks? Come on. <laughs> Coke bucks. Uh, that was Speaking of, did everybody on the podcast get uh, the Trump bucks yet? No, I have not I got my tanky bucks yet because I have no idea how to unfuck that thingy. Wait, I got it. I got it too. I got it. Yeah, I had uh, misentered uh, direct deposit information in. Uh, Rip. Yeah, in my tax return. So I'm just sitting here like, oh shit, what the fuck do I do about this? You should I probably should go to the IRS website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should, um, I was thinking of just sitting really here and the duel of fates instead. You should probably you should probably just wait for your golden check with Trump's signature on it. Oh god! Oh god! I mean, what a brilliant PR move that is on his part. Yeah, honestly, oh my god, it's really no, weird we were him becoming about... a fucking tanky though. Well, no, we were actually talking about this in kind of just kind of wrap up the episode, just kind of closing thoughts. We were talking about this in uh, UAC about how Trump literally bought. The, the vote of millions of people because of this. Wait, UAC, yeah. the company that's mining on Mars? <laughs> yes. Exactly. I, I am I am invoking <laughs> demons <laughs> and trying to bring doom about the Earth. Okay, no, no, well, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about my... I'm talking about my, um... Talking about my chat. Oh. Which can find it by... Oh, 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 UAC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I heard, like, Y-O-U community. and then AC. Oh, wonderful. ACDC. Um... Y-M-C-A. Y- UDC. 
Um, okay. Uh, there was a there was a what was the final? Oh, the anti-communism thing. Oof. Um, oh, I yeah. really don't think that is. Uh, I think this is an example of something that is totally extraneous to to, to the model's efficacy. Um, I think, and it, it, not only that, but I think it actually straight up just doesn't apply. Uh, do you think Chomsky wrote that, or do you think Herman apply? That? Yeah, I'd, I don't I, think it what, doesn't apply anymore. It's just toned back. It's taken a backseat to other things. Well, you still have Red Scare. That's that's where the whole xenophobia is coming from right now. And so yeah. is the whole no. Russia I think thing. I think that's just straight racism happening. Well, yeah. where do you think the Russia thing's coming from? That's also racism. Red Scare. What? It's red. Oh no, no, no! Absolutely not. I I, I, I say that because. Putin. I don't think anybody thinks Russia is the USSR. I don't think people tie those things together. In fact, I would say there, there's an inverse relationship between people who tie those things together and age. Like well, the, the, the person, older you are, the less likely you are to tie those things. Well, together. the only that person that ties sense, those things together is like Rachel Maddow. Oh, and, and that's you about know, it. Few really toxic furries. I, although I will say this, I have talked to my boomer family, and sometimes they do assume that the USSR like still exists. There is still that Cold War mindset that does exist, and people okay. have sort of talked about that okay, well there's also the, there's also the whole anti-communism thing in regards to the embargo of cuba being relatively supported in the u.s yeah that is true but that's that i mean that's like the Mascanosa family that, that's very localized right and it's not even in the media per se that's really like at the local like grassroots like like uh you know getting people money and food and the like church on sundays yeah, type deal know, it still kind of sucks that you have to go out of federation space just to get some ramen and ale oh, christ. <laughs> jesus christ oh sorry All i right. meant uh you have to you know go underground to get some cuban cigars what? Remember, right, that, so... remember that scene where Picard stepped on a, the racist sign and he said racism bad. And... All right, so let's let's on that note, let's wrap up. Let's go ahead and sign off. Uh, this has been Furries Get Bread Pilled with our guest today. Our guest, oh, I mean, hi, I'm Babalu. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any 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 things you want to plug? Like, do you have a YouTube channel? You yeah. still work on visual essays or whatnot? Uh, I mean, I'm working on a project doing visual, the video essays. Um, I also uh, have been recording a podcast. It's like a real play TTRPG podcast. Are you going to be the next Ollie Thorne? Uh, what? Oh, no, wait, who's who's Ollie Thorne? Philosophy, Philosophy Tube. So uh, to sign, signing off, I'm the Gecko. I'm Confite. I'm Carden, subbing in for Kira, who subbed in for Carden. And I'm Zillicath. And our guest today was... Hi, I'm Babalu. <laughs> Why? <laughs>
Hey, should we clap at the end, too? One, two, three, clap. Cuba did nothing wrong. Whoa.